If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is first strike, first look right here on VEASAN. Dave Ross alongside the man they call the bully. I find him to be a very nice guy. But I don't have to go into an octagon and fight him at 145 pounds. One of the baddest men on the planet, Ricardo Lamas, joins the program once again. Ricardo, great to have you on, my friend. I wonder for you, when you see a big fight card like UFC 272 this weekend here in Las Vegas, does it get you even more jacked up than just a normal fight card? 100%, especially when there's a story behind it like UFC 272. Like, this is... I mean, somebody should be writing a screenplay about this fight, the main <laughs> event coming up. I mean, you know, like two best friends, they were roommates. Both of them hit kind of superstardom in the sport. And then they do a complete 180 with their relationship. They become bitter enemies. And now they're set to fight each other to the death, you know, <laughs> not to the death, <laughs> but, you know, till someone taps out. But I mean, it, it, it's something that you would go see in a movie and like it, it gets everybody engaged. It gets everybody emotionally invested in the fight. And it just makes the whole process more enjoyable. Yeah, you're talking about it, Ricardo. That's Colby Covington, obviously the big favorite here, minus three three dollars and uh, three twenty right now against Jorge Masvidal, plus two fifty on the comeback here for Masvidal. This isn't contrived, right, Ricardo? I mean, you know this, and MMA Masters is where Colby Covington is at, and now they were formerly at ATT. They were roommates. They 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 you can it's documented. I mean, these guys were good buds. And then it apparently it came down over a dispute with a coach and whether or not Colby paid said coach for his services. And that seemed to cause the schism between the two. But this is not fabricated, right? This is not for the Hollywood script. These two guys really don't like each other. As far as I know, to my knowledge, they don't like each other anymore. Um, you know, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It, it had something to do with a coach and paying a coach, but. I don't think that's all there is to it. I think, you know, these guys, they're competing at the same weight class. They're best friends. They're both at the top of the division. At some point, you're, you're going to have to fight each other. So that kind of throws a rock in the relationship there. And maybe they just kind of let things go south because they knew that they may be future opponents. You know, it's interesting when you look at Kamaru Usman, obviously the champion here at 170 pounds, and maybe now could go down as the greatest welterweight champion we've ever seen. Covington's fought Usman twice, failed twice. Masvidal's fought Usman twice, failed twice. Now, these two guys are going to fight for the first time, at least what we've seen in an octagon. You, you know that they've trained together. They know each other. Covington's the overwhelming favorite here, Ricardo, because they assume he's going to utilize the wrestling, and that's where he has the massive advantage. Is there any scenario that because they know each other so well from their training days together at ATT that we see a different fight that we don't expect? Uh, yes, there is. Um, you know, this kind of brings me the, the Masvidal and Covington friendship reminds me of a friendship that I formed with another teammate of mine. He's, uh, now the world champion in bare knuckle boxing, Louis Palomino. And it was, it was almost the same dynamic, right? I came in, I was a great wrestler. He was a great striker. 
We became very close friends. We would train together all the time. And depending from day to day, the person who would get over on the other person in the sparring is, is it would change all the time, right? Like sometimes he'd come in, he'd be really sharp with his takedown defense. He'd, he'd tune me up on the feet. Sometimes I'd come in, I'd land every shot that I take. I'd take him down. I'd hold him down. I'd get my ground and pound off or, or do whatever. So I think it, it may come down to like, who's really on, on the night of the fight and who performs well. They both know each other's game. So it's now, now it just comes down to who is going to perform on fight night. This is why I love talking to the man they call the bully, Ricardo Lamas, again. Uh, Ricardo, when you see the numbers and the odds out there, overwhelming favorite here for Covington at minus 320. The over-under for the rounds in this five-round five title bout is four and a half. So nobody expects a quick night out here in Las Vegas uh, in this main event. Is there any scenario, if Masvidal has his way, he doesn't want this to be a grind him out. He wants this thing to stand and keep trading on the feet and get the knockout of Covington. Is there any other pathway to victory for Masvidal other than KO? I think that if the fight hits the ground, I do not see Masvidal submitting Colby Covington. I've never seen Colby Covington, Covington get submitted by anybody. I haven't even seen Masvidal submit anyone, right? Mm. His pathways to victories have always been the same. So, you know, getting a knockout on the feet uh, or a knockout on ground and pound, but I don't see him finishing this fight on the ground. If Masvidal is going to win, he needs to sprawl and brawl, and he needs to find Colby's chin and knock him unconscious. You know, if you go back to the Usman fight, the first time that uh, Masvidal fought Usman, and that was over in Saudi Arabia during the pandemic, you know, it was the foot stomps, and he kind of carried him, and he felt like it wasn't really a fight fight, I put in air quotes. When they fought the second time, Usman said, okay, I'll stand and trade with you. And we all got shocked by the knockout heard around the MMA world. Is there any chance that, that Jorge can, can bait Covington into a style like that and hopefully not have the same uh, fate that he had the, the last time around against Usman? Because we just assume Masvidal has a massive hand, hands advantage. Is that fact or is that maybe a little bit too much of fiction? Well, you know, it depends on how much Covington has improved since switching camps over to MMA Masters. I know that uh, the coaches at MMA Masters, uh, Daniel Valverde and Cesar Carnero, give a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention to their fighters. So I know that they're constantly doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with Colby Covington, which has probably improved his striking a whole lot. Uh, we even saw it in his last fight against Usman. You know, he had good head movement. He wasn't... Uh, looking uncomfortable on the feet. He was able to to stand there and trade with Usman and even rock him a little bit here and there. So it depends on how much Covington has improved, but there's too much riding on this fight, right? I don't think Covington is going to risk losing to Jorge Masvidal. This is almost a career-ending loss. Whoever takes this loss, their stock Ooh. is going to plunge. Like, there's so much behind this fight. There's so much animosity that... This, this could be detrimental to, to somebody's fight career, getting involved in a fight like this and coming out on the losing end. So I think, you know, Covington is going to stick with what has worked with him up until this point. I think he's going to put the pressure on Jorge Masvidal. You know, I heard him say it in the countdown show that Masvidal doesn't, you know, Masvidal lives more of the Miami lifestyle, the go out, the party. He, uh, you know, <laughs> we've seen him in countdown shows where he's getting food from McDonald's before he goes to the gym. So Covington says he doesn't take this life seriously. Covington, on the other hand, does. So I think that he's really going to try and push Masvidal and test his gas tank, gas him out, take him down, and maybe end up submitting him. I don't think Covington is going to risk stand-up war with Masvidal.
Well, it, that's so interesting you say that. Covington to win by submission, Ricardo, plus 800. To win by KO, TKO, or DQ, plus 300. To win by decision, minus 115. So the correlated parlays there, people go, well, if Covington wins, he's going to grind him out, and it goes the distance. So instead of laying the 320, I could lay the 115. But you actually think a sub could be in play here for Colby if he tires out Masvidal here and then it sinks in a choke and gets a stop that way? I think a sub or a TKO coming via ground and pound are the more likely ways that Covington can win this fight. Very interesting. If you look at those price points here on a Tuesday, first strike, first look, Dave Ross alongside Ricardo Lamas. And, uh, Bully, let's talk about what is the new co-main event of the evening. And uh, Javier Dos Anjos was looking for an opponent. Uh, Fazeev gets COVID. He's out. Then we heard maybe Islam Makachev was going to hop in at last minute. He just fought last week, people, by the way. That fight is not going to happen. And now Renato Moicano, uh, as we speak, Ricardo, is on his way out here to the desert. And it looks like he's going to be the last-minute replacement here. And they're going to fight at 160-pound uh, catchweight here. What do you make of Moicano? We don't even have a number yet posted up here on the board uh, to, to figure out how you would even evaluate this fight from a handicapping standpoint. But just from a fight standpoint, what do you make of this matchup, Moicano against RDA? I think it's a, it's a great matchup stylistically. I think both guys are very well-rounded. Uh, Moicano is going to be coming in with a lot of comp confidence. He just came off of a great win, almost a come, come from behind win, uh, a couple weeks ago. So he's riding high. He's still in shape from his last fight. So I know that he's got a little bit of weight to cut. I heard a little, a little bird telling me, but hopefully it doesn't, <laughs> uh, do too much to his gas tank, cutting that weight. And he comes into fight night feeling good because I think that this fight, I mean, you know, obviously the main event. It's it's got fight of the night written all over it, but this is another contender for fight of the night as well. Talking with Ricardo Lamas, follow him on Twitter as I do at Ricardo Lamas MMA. Ricardo, you are a pro, a pros pro. You made weight, you showed up when you were supposed to be there. 145 pounds. You didn't have issues like this. Obviously, this is a COVID situation uh, that has kind of put this fight, the, the physique fight, uh, on the back rail here. But what do you make of these catchweight bouts? Are they as intriguing to you? Do you think that this could open up the the prospect of new divisions in mixed martial arts in the UFC. Do you think there's a need for that? Well, I think that they use the catchweight bouts exactly for situations like this, you know, short notice replacement. You can't expect the guy to just fly in and save your card and make weight. If he's, if he's super high overweight. So for situations like this, the catchweight bouts are the catchweight bouts are okay with me. Um, also, if you're looking at any type of super fight where two different weight classes are meeting, maybe somewhere in the middle, where maybe the heavier guy cannot make it all the way down to the lighter weight class and the lighter guy isn't as big to compete at that higher weight class. So I think that in certain occasions, the catchweight bouts are nice and they, they, they give a little bit of an extra, extra flair to some of these fights that we might not have seen happen otherwise. Okay, I got to ask you about what I think could be the sneaky fight of the night. And that's Edson Barbosa against Bryce Mitchell in a, a fight scheduled for three rounds. What stuns me, Ricardo, and look, I love Bryce Mitchell. He's an entertaining follow. He's an enter entertaining guy. He says what's on his mind. He's the betting favorite, minus 160, against Barbosa, plus 140. It, are, is the right guy favored in your estimation here? Oh, man, I don't know about that one. I think, uh, I think the, the people who make the odds might have gotten this one wrong. If, if I was to put money on this fight, I would definitely put it on Edson Barbosa. We haven't seen Bryce Mitchell fight in a long time. He hasn't been under those bright lights in quite a while. 
Edson Barbosa has made the drop 45. He's looked phenomenal. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's just guys that is so strong, so explosive and has so much power and he's hard to take down. Bryce Mitchell needs to get this fight to the ground. If he wants to win, uh, we all know that he, that he's a ground guy. He likes to pull off these, these, these submission wins. <laughs> um, but to do that, he's going to have to take down a monster in Edson Barbosa. Yeah, and you know, when, if Bryce Mitchell does get you there, you look out for some tornadoes. You never know what's going to come from Bryce Mitchell's offensive arsenal. Uh, the over-under right now in a potential three-round bout is even money uh, at, at two and a half rounds. Rather, it's minus 110 at over two and a half, under a sl- taking some of the money here at minus 120, but pretty even here. Do you expect this fight to get finished, or do you think this one potentially goes the distance? I think there's going to be a finish one way or the other, but I want to know the odds on Bryce Mitchell winning by twister. So can we figure that <laughs> out? I'll, I'll place five bucks on that. You take the twister. If you're going to back Bryce Mitchell, <laughs> because that man, we don't see many twisters in, in mixed martial arts. He likes to pull them off. Hey, Kevin, he's Holland's, gotten two obviously already. he's got two. It's, it's insane. Uh, Kevin Holland's <laughs> an interesting figure. Uh, whenever he bow, he fights because he likes to talk to you a lot during the bouts, Ricardo. Going to take on the cowboy, Alex Oliveira here. What do you make of Holland, the talking during the fights? I mean, it's not like the occasional chirp. It's constant. He's minus 290, almost a $3 betting favorite over the cowboy. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, I think that's just who he is. I think there, there are two things to it. I think, number one, that's just who he is. Maybe he's, he's a loud guy. He likes to talk. He does it in sparring at the gym but it's also kind of a tactic to throw your opponent off a little. I mean, you're, you're thinking that you're in there in a fight, you're in front of somebody and you're trying to concentrate on what you're going to do next. And this guy keeps blabbing in your face and like telling you, Oh, <laughs> nice punch or don't hit me so hard. You know, it kind of throws the opponent off their game a little bit. So it might be a little, little bit of tactics going on in there, but I also just think that maybe that's the type of person Kevin Holland is. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. When, did anybody talk to you like that? Because, I mean, listening to Holland talk, especially during the pandemic when the fans were there and you could hear everything, was there any fight? I don't know if Max talked to you, uh, if any of the guys that you fought 
at the highest levels. Was there anybody that kind of just annoyed you with the with the chirping in the octagon? No, there were. You know, I can't recall anybody talking to me in the octagon. I know in my last fight there was a lot of uh, back and forth stuff where you know if I would miss a punch, you'd look off in the distance and. And then I kicked him in the face and then I looked off in the distance because of it. So getting involved in stuff like that, it's fun. You know, it, it, the, the fans enjoy it. And even the fighters, when we're in there, we enjoy it too a little bit. So it's just a little bit of fanfare for you guys. Just say Aldo never talked to you because Aldo doesn't seem like the talkable sort. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he did, I would have needed a translator because my Portuguese isn't too good. So. <laughs> How about Sergey Spivak against Greg Hardy? Hardy is the guy that everybody loves to hate uh, for reasons that have nothing to do with fighting, uh, at least outside the octagon. Hardy is the underdog here, plus 170. Spivak, minus $2. Look, I, you can say what you want about Greg Hardy. Look, as a football fan, I know his background. It's not somebody that I find myself intrinsically rooting for. What I will say is his transition from the NFL to mixed martial arts is applaudable. You can actually see... This the strides he's taken to take this sport seriously and become a mixed martial artist. What do you make of his evolution in the heavyweight division? And do you think he's got a puncher's chance to pull the upset? You know, I think he's an athlete. I think he transitioned over pretty well. I haven't seen huge improvements from him from fight to fight. It's kind of the same Hardy that I see every time. He's, mm. he's just built well. He's fast. He's explosive, especially for a guy at his weight. So... Does he have a puncher's chance? Every heavyweight has a puncher's chance. That's why everybody loves watching the heavyweight division because it just takes one shot to land clean on somebody's chin and the guy is out. So for a puncher's chance, yes, but, you know, I love to see Greg Hardy lose. <laughs> so do I. And I, and I will say, Ricardo, right now the under, you can get plus money on a round and a half and a potential three-round bout, plus 120 right now on a Tuesday here, first strike, first look. Uh, and the over, by the way, minus 150. I... Just at first glance, Ricardo, he feels like a kill-or-be-killed fighter where his skills, to your point, have not evolved to the point where he can say, yeah, let's get this thing into the deep waters. Unless he's got an inhaler in the octagon with him, <laughs> he likes to get this thing done early, doesn't he? Either one way or the other? Yes, and you know he performs well when things are going his way, but the second he runs into a little bit of adversity, we, we saw in, in like the Tai Tuivasa fight, looked like he had Tai in trouble for a second. He tried to swarm on Ty. Ty clock, uh, clocked him back with, with a couple shots, and Hardy was done. So uh, he's definitely a killer be killed. And, you know, those are the type of fighters that people like to watch, right? Because it, it's action-packed. Whether the guy wins or loses, it's going to be a finish. All right, we got names like uh, Tim Elliott and Boom Kelleher on this card and the undercards as well. Whenever you have a uh, pay-per-view, you're going to have some good fights and a deep fight card. Give me any other fight on the entire card, Ricardo, that you go, you know what? I got to watch this one because it might be entertaining and I'm going to get a lot of action. To be honest with you, I haven't been looking at any other fight besides this main event. I mean, this Ooh. whole backstory has me captivated and it's, it's the one that I'm really looking forward to see. And I mean, this is one of the first times in a long time where I've been like jumping on YouTube, like hitting refresh to see if the new embedded <laughs> is up. So, uh, <laughs> the main event for me is, is the moneymaker in this fight. And this is the one that I'm going to be, you know, wide-eyed watching while it's going on. Do you want to give out a winner in a pathway that you see realistically? What do you expect to see in that main event? Um, you know, I expect to see kind of what Colby describes what was happening in their sparring sessions. First of all, I, we all know that, that wrestling is going to be the, the major divider in this uh, fight. Uh, Colby Covington 
you know, two-time All-American Division One. He's a phenomenal wrestler, but he's also one of these guys. He doesn't sit back and, and try and wait for his opportunity to take the person down. He pressures. He gets them up against the fence. He's constantly looking. He's constantly in his opponent's face. That gets very tiring. It gasses people out. So I think what we're going to see is a lot of that, a lot of pressure. I think uh, Jorge is going to maybe keep up for the first round, but if it goes out of the first round, we're going to see his gas tank decline dramatically. And I expect to see a finish out of Colby Covington somewhere around round three. That's why I love talking to Ricardo Lamas. Follow him on Twitter at Ricardo Lamas MMA. Ricardo, before I let you go, you've got a gym in Chicago. I'm not saying that you're going to become, you know, it's going to be UFC apex, but if you're a fighter in the Chicago area, should they be checking out, uh, checking out your gym? A hundred percent. I'm actually here right now. So I'm here every day. We got a lot of guys that, that come in and train with me. And, uh, you know, this isn't a gym just for fighters. I think 98% of our members will never step foot in an octagon or a ring. So if you just want to come in and use MMA to get in shape and kind of reach those fitness goals you've always had, come see us uh, at, at Crest Creek and uh, we'll, we'll help you out. All right. To quote Anchorman, I miss your scent. I miss your smell. I think when this is all over, we should get in an apartment together. Ricardo Lamas, everybody. <laughs> the bully himself. Ricardo, always love catching up with you, brother. We'll catch up again soon. Sounds good, Dave. Have a good one.